everybody, welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. That bit at the beginning that you just did almost sounded like Jason. Almost. Well, yeah, it wasn't wasn't intentional. Just trying to put some energy into it. <laughs> sorry. Trying to trying to muster forth some enthusiasm, Dan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I guess that means normally we sound like we're half dead having to cover these books. Is that what you're saying? Um. Yeah. Definitely. But it's alright. Ian has just walked into the room with my coffee to make oh, sure good. that I, I can recharge. Okay. Say hello to everyone, Ian. Hello. Hey, Ian. He, that's an accent that you had there. Was it? <laughs> an accent. Goodbye. Have fun with the suffering of many X tales, which I measure are not quite fun. Oh. That is the title of my book. I feel. <laughs> Have fun. Later. There you go. That's the that's the um, homely charm that I bring to the podcast. I have my boyfriend, I have my boyfriend slash butler bring me coffee. Mm. It's good to get these insights into your relationship, Dan. I didn't know he was also your butler. You're sleeping with the help. <laughs> yes, it's in the title, but. Uh, um, <laughs> wow, schoolgirl. Yes, yeah, that's we're a little loopy um, because we know what's in store for us. Uh, so welcome back to uh, the show, everybody. Uh, this week we are covering um, Excalibur twenty-seven, Exiles number twenty-eight, X Factor number seventy-four, and Gen X number sixteen. Is that right? Seventeen. Um, yeah, sixteen. 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 Yes, it is sixteen. All right. Well, I think. Uh, you know, we're going to have some varying levels of, of quality here, and we've decided to dive right into the shit, because we're covering Excalibur number 27, which is really just a placeholder issue until some actual story comes up with these characters. Uh, it's fairly obvious after reading this that um, the writer has, has no idea what he wants to do with these people anymore. Like halfway through Cross Time Caper, he was like, I don't know, maybe they go to this earth. I don't have an end, end goal. And now that they're back, he's like, I don't know what to do with them. They're just, like, doing stuff now. So uh, we we have, like, a meandering uh, issue from Chris Claremont to uh, to get into first. Uh, any any initial thoughts here, Dan? I generally feel like meandering issue could describe almost 50% of Chris Claremont's entire ex-work. Um, <laughs> at this point. Especially in the later books, yeah. Um, initial thoughts. Um, it's ugly. It is so ugly. It's I so ugly you I'm... added in an extra syllable. It's not ugly, it's ugly. Yeah, it's ugly. Um, it, it felt angry. Yeah. I When I was reading it, it felt like the art was angry at me. And yes, it did. It wanted, it wanted me to suffer. Um, so many jacket jagged edges and yes. so much ink. I feel like someone killed like something with black blood, like like a, or made an octopus just square its inky juice all over the issue. There's so much darkness. I was like, oh, Barry Windsor Smith, this will be an interesting looking issue. Wow, this is this is aggressive at me. <laughs> and I feel I feel like out of all the things in all of the the law of uh, Brian Braddock and um, Betsy, Jamie is just something that needs to just be put in a box and 
dropped into an ocean and never seen again because I generally don't think A, I get or understand what anyone ever wants to do with the character and B, I don't think the writers get or understand what they ever want to do with that character. It's just... It's in, uh, it, it doesn't work. It, I, I, it doesn't work... Doesn't work in contemporary Xbox right now, and it don't, and it's it's not working uh, now. I kind of liked um, it in in the new Excalibur, where it was like, all right, he's he was like a little bit more lucid, so he was actually like a, a person instead of just like a natural force looking to cause pain. So he had like goals. He was he he could interact, and it had meaning between the siblings. In, in the most recent uh, Excalibur, obviously we haven't read the last I don't know three two issues of that book so maybe it's been way worse but I thought it was better than it, than it, it was previously maybe it just maybe this has just colored all my mind because I just think all I think now is like all I'm ever going to see now I think of Jamie is that damned front page, first page of him like looking at me like he wants to hurt me um, <laughs> well uh, before we have that we have the cover where we have the nth man who is basically uh, Galactus, uh, sans helmet, uh, trying to smash up our Excaliburians in a, a city center. Um, I don't, I don't particularly like the color work on this cover. It's just like pasting colors uh, randomly on the buildings, uh, random orange people, um, and then for some reason Megan is is huge, uh, and all the other characters are tiny. I don't, I don't enjoy this cover at all. I'm not a fan. I generally thought that Megan was just really far away from everyone else at one point. <laughs> I, I assume she's big because he's big, so she's right. kinda, I didn't know if she was that kind of polymorph, but But that, I mean obviously stuff in the cover doesn't always happen inside the issue, but I don't think they even have a conflict in the book at all. Those two <laughs> no. I don't know if they meet. I don't think they meet at all. Um, yeah. So we, we jump in talk about it. Yeah, let's let's get this one over with. Uh, this book is um, Chris Claremont and Barry Windsor Smith with Bill Sienkiewicz as the inker, uh, Tom Orszagowski as the letterer, Glennis Oliver a colorist. All right, so we start off. Uh, our our team is back from their caper, and we have Jamie Braddock who is sitting in a chair in some flat in England somewhere, just looking all uh, aggressive and possessed and, and disturbed. And we find out that he's uh, he's. Uh, got like a maid who was his maid growing up and she died but he just brought her back to life because his powers are allow him to manipulate you know reality to do whatever he wants um so she's back uh, it's a weird relationship it's like uh she's like an indentured servant almost yeah uh, yeah it's odd and then nigel frobisher comes in he's like hey we got plans um and he insults the maid which makes Jamie upset and turns him into a woman. So that happened. And uh, the second time this thing is turned into a woman. Yes, yeah. And this time it's with pink hair and like a black slutty outfit. Um, and I wasn't sure if it was just the art that made her face look jagged and angry, or if it made her quite older. Um, but this art is—it's just—it's mm. just painful to look at. I don't. Uh, you know, I remember Barry Windsor Smith from X Men issues, and it wasn't quite like this, was it? I don't remember it being. But then I suppose phoning in writer, phoning in artist seems seems appropriate, I suppose. 
Uh, I mean, the, this artwork is nothing to write home about. Even even Glennis Oliver is like, fuck it. I'm just like throwing some color work on here, and we're, we're gonna get through this issue. <laughs> like when we first see Excalibur, they uh, they're meeting with uh, Who, and the whole background is just blue with like outlines of chairs and stuff. Like they did not even bothered at all to like place this anywhere. Like they're supposed to be at like um, a movie studio, but you would have no idea because it's just blue, blue, blue chairs, blue lights, blue desks, blue computers. It's just blue. They're just shooting at night. Yeah, sure. <laughs> and they're like, hey, something's come up. And Excalibur's like, all right, we'll, we'll take care of it. And uh, who says we found, uh, also we got uh, some Struth. We haven't had a Struth in a while, but we got a Struth, Dan. So add it to the counter. I don't even know how far we we're, I know, we're 18, past the pale. Whatever, we're yeah. Or <laughs> overflowing with truth. Um, and someone from another dimension has made its way in. And her name is Dr. Candy Goodstroke. And I thought, wow, Claremont <laughs> wants to do like a porn thing. I don't know what's happening here. It's such a... Oh, <laughs> uh, God. Yeah. It carries on. And she's, uh, Dr. Candy Goodstroke is a consulting therapist who was taking care of the Nth Man, who in his universe is, like, all-powerful. Um, to me, that Nth Man seems like a, what Galactus would be like in, in another dimension kind of deal, or before the end of, of his universe. It was, uh, that's kind of an interesting idea, like, what Galactus would be in another place and time, but... Uh, yeah. This this is not an interesting outcome for for the concept. Um, no, it's not working. <laughs> no, Rachel reads her mind. It's like, oh, this is other people, this other dimension. And Nightcrawler decides, fuck it, I'm gonna leave for reasons. Um, and then Nightcrawler shows back up uh, to make like cheer Rachel up, and he's dressed in like a a white tuxedo without any pants, and um, they they go dancing. And she's starting to cheer up, but then it's it's spiral or it's not spiral. I don't know if this is ever uh, explained. Like this was spiral impersonating him, or if this was Jamie like giving her a vision, or what's going on. Did you uh, figure it I out? Didn't. No, I didn't. I, didn't. I okay. gave up hope. <laughs> no worries, because uh, Nightcrawler and. Uh, Rachel are, are like teleported to the other universe and two other people come and take their places. Um, so we've got, which is very interesting, we've got like two panels of two different bodies and it's like they just swap the heads on them. Especially Rachel in her new outfit. She, she's got like this terribly red angry face but like her neck and her breasts are just like very pale. It's like they, they, they cut the head off, like they took a Barbie off of one Barbie and put it on the, the body of a different Barbie, and that's what we have here. This is so bad. Just, it's so horrible to look at. Like, generally, it's just like the, the creative decisions going on. Yeah. If there were any creative decisions. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's just random. To me, it felt like, really? This is what we're... All right, this is what we're going with. Uh, if you don't want to make it make sense, I'm not going to try and make it make sense. Um, <clears throat> so they're in, like, the yard, the garden of the Nth Man's house, and Jamie's watching via a TV, in a TV, and is, like, controlling stuff. And then we get a bunch of panels of, like, these other two, like, Russian spies who have taken Rachel and Nightcrawler's place, and they're battling with 
with Captain Britain and Megan and back and forth on a helicopter, and then we see that Rachel's beating up the Nth Man, and then Nightcrawler's like, oh my god, Rachel's going to kill him, what am I going to do? And um, Jamie's watching, like, it, it's complete nonsense here. Uh, it, it's so many words and impossible to follow, and we, we just keep cutting back and forth every page to, all right, these Russian spies are at this movie studio, and they've hijack the helicopter to escape, but then they, they blow it up to escape, and then the Ant Man's getting beat up. And luckily, there is a remote control on the top of this TV, and I thought this was actually kind of an interesting concept, like a cosmic remote that would let him fast forward or rewind the battle of reality to like get to a point that would work. That was, that was mm -hmm. like, oh, cool, interesting concept. And at the end, he just hits the cancel button on the remote to like end the fight. Does your remote have a cancel button? N no. No, it does not. Okay, I was gonna say I don't. I don't think my TV can cancel stuff. Um, so it cancels it, and it's like the fight never happened. And they're like, "Oh, what? What was it?" Well, the world will never know. And uh, Jamie's like, "I'll get them next time." Um, and that's the end of the book. There's, I mean, I, I sped through it, but I, I trust me here. There's nothing happening other than lots of words. On, a pa on pages that make no sense with artwork that makes you wish you were you were, you were blind for five minutes so in flipping through pages like this is not this is like Dan we had some rough um, cross time caper issues right like some really rough yeah. ones and this one ranks right down there with, with those awful ones um, you remember the one where they were like in um, Speed Racer universe and Jamie was involved with it, and the artwork was so, like, 1960s anime, uh, like, super rough. That's where this is. Yeah, it's fucking... This is, like... This is, it's just bad. It's just bad. Yeah. We, uh... <laughs> we bring this up every once in a while. Like, oh, I remember those first, first like, five issues? Excalibur was great. Oh, that was, like, a year and a half ago, Dan. I don't know. <laughs> this is... Let's see, episode... Issue 28 next time. Um, writer Terry Kevin Austin. Uh, penciler Colleen Doran. And it looks like there's a fight with some British peasants. Megan turns into a mermaid. Um, <laughs> weird stuff's going to happen, but uh, is, there, is there hope for the next issue, you think? Is, is, are things going to turn around here? Are we, are we like in it until, like, issue 40? I feel like... Once Davis takes control, which is still later in, um, right. I think when once Claremont's death grip on the book sort of disappears, it has a bit more of a renaissance. But I could just be anything is better than this. Um, anything. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just sort of peeking through the next issue. It looks very different. It looks almost like uh, uh, Saturday morning, like. Um, Newspaper comic strippy, in terms of mm. character designs, uh, much more simplified. Uh, so it could be could be interesting. It could work out story wise. We'll find out. But uh, one thing's for sure, it, it'll be much easier to understand than this issue. Amen. Amen. All right. So that was X X X Caliber. Uh, let's let's never remember that one. Let's erase it from our memory. And. Uh, what do you say, Dan? You want to go to Exiles? Gen X? Exiles? What do you think? Exiles 28, I feel. Right. <coughs> so, 
Exiles 28. Um, oh, Chuck Austin uh, is is uh, um, is is doodling, I suppose, on this one. Um, he's he's the, he's our he's our guide and writer. So we're full on. We're about to experience Chuck Austin writing both the Exiles and the X Men simultaneously. Yeah. Oh, God. Um, Clayton Henry is our penciler. Um, I don't know who the inker is. Mark Morales. Um, see, I because it's my collection and it's right. Like, it just there's like nine names. The colorist is Transparency Digital, and I would like to say the letter is David Sharp, maybe. Sharon Sharp. It's Shiro. It's hard even on Marvel Unlimited. It's hard to. Yeah, maybe it is Sharp. Yeah. So we have on the front cover we have testosterone um, via two thousand and whatever. <laughs> um, I it's Wolverine with muscles in a costume. Like is that Ultimate Wolverine's costume? I don't really know. Um, it's very. I don't even think Jason would like it. <laughs> it's very plasticky looking. The artwork. It's it's you know this was the time where they'd have uh, like digital artwork on, on like collecting cards and stuff, and it always looked it looked unique and new, but it also looked unreal. And this looks very like Uncanny Valley. Like, is this an action figure that you've put on the cover? Yeah. Well, when when we left our exiles last time, um, they had a new member. Ileana, and she's a psychopath. Yeah. Um, as you as as it should be, I suppose. And our exiles, um, we pick up the story of them dropping into the unknown, like an unknown desert, um, with Mimic being all like, "You killed the Avengers. It had to be you because you're the only one that went to see it." And some for some reason, Ileana's like, "Could have been someone else." Um, pretty much, even though like, all evidence. Like when she blames, um, is it the, the villain from the last one? Mimic should have just been like, I was literally standing next to him. Right. No. <laughs> and there's no even purpose to her like lying about it. It's really, it's very psychopathic. Yep. And um, she punches him because he's talking, um, and she's like, just because your girlfriend's dead doesn't mean it's all my fault. Um, <laughs> and then the time broker with a completely different personality. Um, Obviously, because apparently he's the am- uh, an amalgamation of all the personalities, isn't he? So with Ileana in the mix, he's obviously gone crazy. Uh-huh. And turns up with the most insane concept. Like, is this a thing before this book? Apparently, according to the time version, good old Alex Summers, a.k.a. Havoc, is the nexus of all reality. Yeah. And that they think- <laughs> He's connected to every Havoc in every universe, and the Time Broker slash Brokers, because he even pluralizes himself at some point, right. which means there's more than one of him. <gasps> Shock horror. Um, no one picked up on that in the meeting. Wait a second, there's more than one of you? How is that possible? <laughs> it's supposed to be like, you're supposed to be like all of us combined. So the Time Brokers use him as a backdoor to realities, but then they basically blame Alex for everything. Like, so it's his fault that everything's going wrong so the time workers have simultaneously tried to kill every Alex in every reality it's exhausting these pages these are there is some I give Clayton Henry his his due he tries to make it because his his art style is very cartoony he tries to make it and the art the art's vibrant enough to sort of push it 
but it is a lot of text and it's a lot of bullshit text. Um, so much. Essentially, um, Chuck Austin, or aka the Time Broker, tells them that Havoc is good in a wheelchair, or he could be bad if good Alex in the wheelchair dies, but you must protect these two characters I've created, these two children, right. for a reason. And I, it's an interesting idea. Well, interesting is the wrong word. Crazy idea that when Alex dies, his body is fine, and just another personality takes its place. It's like the body of Alex could never die, uh, <laughs> but will just be replaced by you know some other personality. He's just like a a walking mannequin. And so, finally, after twenty eight issues of Excalibur. Excalibur, Exiles, whoops. Our Exiles visit our time, our dimension. Yep. 616 itself. Should be a massive fanfare. Should probably have been an anniversary issue, like issue 25 or issue 30 or something. Right. No, it's issue 28. There is literally no fanfare. It's controlled by Chuck Austin. And as you can imagine, it gets worse from here on out. It does. So, I mean, like, the story here doesn't overlap into the story of Uncanny that's happening. I mean, like, there are characters, but it's not like it's a real crossover. It's not like what happens here has any effect on what happens in Uncanny. It's just like they're interacting. Yeah, it doesn't even affect, like, um, Alex. Nope, nope, not at all. Because if I remember because I reread, unfortunately, stupidly, we read Austin's run again. And if I recall correctly, Alex just wakes up and he's fine. Yep. (laughs) And this had nothing to do with anything. But anyway, Alex, good Alex, is awake with Juggernaut, looking after the kids that need to be protected. One of the kids is some wolf dude with no eyes um, who seems to get angry very much, very quickly, and just slashes, just guts Alex and runs off. Um, Alex's uh, love life, um, she has a name, I forget. The character created to Don't Want Alex, the really, it was really creepy. Like yes, he's comatose, and she she falls in love with him, and then plans that he should be the father of a child before he's even woken up. Yeah, That's Annie Gaz- Gazkanian, mm. sure. Yes, yeah. So Paige in her X Men uniform. Um, so we have a Gen Xer here. Um, she's there, and they're just having a little conversation. Then they come in. No one seems that concerned that his his organs are hanging out. No, not at uh, all. Annie complains that Xavier doesn't have a real doctor. Then our exiles teleport into the medical bay. Um, everyone, the really war- horribly boring joke of, is that the juggernaut? Um, happens for like five panels. Um, <laughs> the, 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 talus, the talus is like, it's too late. Or it's nearly too late. And then um, Sasquatch is like, I'm a doctor, I can help. And then she's like, no, this guy, this guy is dead. Yeah, and she helps. She looks at the line; it goes flat, and like anyone could just say, "Well, he died." Like you didn't even need a doctor. <laughs> anyone um, listening to this podcast could look at the screen and be like, "Oh yeah, he's dead." He is. He is. He is not coming back. Um, but so Juggernaut being Juggernaut, and to be fair, to, to Austin's credit, he at least knows how to write Juggernaut the idiot. Um, sure, it's sort of like. Why do you need the kids? Alex would never have the kids. And the exiles don't even explain themselves. I'm pretty sure most of the time, if they're in a situation where they can talk out of it, pretty sure when we've been reading this book, 
they've actually explained themselves to nearly everyone they've come across. Right, no. This one is very blatant. Like, we're not even... No one's even going to question who they are, and they're not going to explain why they're there, but they're, they're, they're helping, kind um, of. So, Juggernaut's like, must punch, and for some reason, Morph <laughs> is a chicken. Um, so they that punch, was the best um, part of the book. Yep. Ileana's got an uh, ever-extending, ever-decreasing sizing sword knife, because um, it, mm-hmm. it is totally... Yeah, they they fight, and then Alex wakes up evil. And one of my favorite things about um, Henry's artwork on this book is that I love his Sasquatch, and I love how he always shows... There's always like a really cool color or metamorphosis between Heather and Sasquatch. Right. I always really like... For some reason, it just... It is a good thing, but I am literally picking out one tiny panel out of millions of panels. <laughs> so, like his art isn't bad. It is no, very no. serviceable. It's very of its time. It's very yes. cartoony. Yeah, I definitely do like very of draw- its time. I, I do love the way he draws Sasquatch, and I do like the way he draws sort of like um, mimic when he's metal. I think yeah. that um, yeah, and the co- the color work does really work. It's really bright. And but anyway, Havoc wakes up. Everyone's like Alex, and he's like Matt. As if he could, as if he, he literally turns to Nurse Creepy and goes, "All these hot people around me, and I, I picked you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, "Ooh, bitchy, Alex." And then Alex tries to kill the kid immediately for reasons. Um, to kill, yeah. And Havoc jumps in. Uh, Havoc and Sasquatch are like, "We'll handle this." Why don't you all walk out slowly? Have you noticed this in this book? Is um. <laughs> When they bring Alex into the operating theatre, they're walking in slowly, and then yeah. they're walking out slowly, talking, completely relaxed, as, yep. as Havoc is basically firing giant blasts at, um, at Cal and Sasquatch. <laughs> and so they're having a bit of a fun time, um, and then everyone runs outside. Then Wolverine turns up, because Wolverine. Sure. And they're like, we'll go, we'll go find the other kid. And TJ does the my dad lives here moment, so obviously that's going to be important later. They go find the other kid, um, and around the other kid are giant werewolf people, which no one would know. Uh, Paige talks about it like five, for five seconds. On the last mission, there was werewolf people who nearly died from, and I don't want to do that again. And ironically, she's there with all the werewolf people. Right. And then we, then we um, skip to Warren and Bobby, because... Um, the young kid was injured, and they said if we can get Warren, because this is the time where Warren had super blood, which healed people. Yep. Um, he was a literal uh, angel, and he was dating Paige, and the romance was the boring, it was the most time-consuming and like pointless romance we've ever had in comics. And it was creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bobby and uh, Warren are there finding out that a plot point from a different comic it happened, and um, <laughs> and then um, Sunfire and Magic turn up. Magic sword it again in a different size, and they're like, "We've come to get you." And then Magic's like, "I'm going to get your blood, either with or without your body." I don't know how that will work, but you know what I mean. <laughs> so she has like a, like, she's like Zelda or Link. She's got a bottle on her, and she's just gonna <laughs> slice them open. And, yeah, get the blood and leave. Use it like one of those, uh, putting like a pipe in a, a fuel tank and just, and then something else. Right. That's how it works. I love um, the idea of like, we're going to send two people that Warren has never met 
to go and bring him back. That'll totally convince him. And it's like, because he's like, obviously he goes, Iliana, America. And he, I'm like, okay, he might know them both, but... Right, but he like, doesn't know these two, that. yeah. yeah you, you'd send Paige with them, wouldn't you? Yes, yes, um, you would send Paige, because they're dating, and he'd believe her and come back. And so they're like, yeah, that's going to... That's, and that's the issue. <laughs> that was the issue. No, we had a lot um, of fun making fun of this, but this is way... Uh, <laughs> way way more fun to read and talk about than Excalibur was. Oh, definitely. I think um, it's very much like Saturday morning cartoony, but not not as entertaining. And I feel it's very. But they, <laughs> the characters are, are very one note. It's like we've come for the children. We've come to protect the children. But Alex protects children. But he's going to turn into an evil person if he dies. But but but. But punch you, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's very simplistic. It's so simple. And <clears throat> if you haven't been reading Uncanny, you only get like certain cliff notes to certain. Like there was no relevance that we. There's a page. There's a page near the end where Bobby and Warren are like, "Why are we here?" And Warren's like, "My uncle funded this evil organi- this organization which no reader of Exiles will know if it's evil or not. <laughs> um, and then they turn up. It could have just easily been those who have a tiny conversation about nothing and they just turn up. Right. Because it's like right. adding plot points which like with the with the wolves that there's, there's no explanation just uh, pages like oh there's some just a group of mutant wolves tried to kill me last time. <laughs> coincidentally they coincidentally they're right here. And, and the fact that they all like echo people's dialogue in like that creepy voice mm-hmm. but Moth's completely sidelined I think as well as a character um, <clears throat> I feel like Austin doesn't really care yeah. for the exiles especially <laughs> he, cares, he cares for Ileana he gives a shit about oh yeah Ileana. he obviously loves Ileana he gives a shit about Ileana um and he wants to do. He clearly wants to do the Nocturne meets Daddy, um, right? And, right. And he kind of cares about Cal, but what he really cares about is his X Men, and the Exiles become complete and utter second fiddle um, to right. to the X Men. What um, if I could funnel this book into my bigger book and get more people reading that more important book? That's yeah. what I'm gonna do. It's it, it's really bland. It's really ham fisted. I do enjoy. I enjoy the. I think I enjoy the art. To feel like it's got like a nostalgia factor, like an early two thousand nostalgia factor for me, where it's just bright and bo- uh, bubblegummy and yeah, I think, yeah. I think there's nothing really too wrong with it. Like he does, he does well when he has to. The, the carries a mo. I think it it doesn't sell any threat whatsoever. Like, no, it's too bright to sell. Like the the wolves look cool as opposed to menacing. <laughs> um, and like because he, he draws this like he, he draws fair in such a minimalist way that it works really well like right, with Sasquatch right. and the Wolves and I really enjoy that visual minimalism to the fair so they look kind of cool to me rather than oh no we should be scared for our characters and everyone is nonchalantly walking like he doesn't he doesn't like to draw anyone in speed or in motion no no <laughs> They're either they're either passed out or just about to fight or or, or walking. 
some places. It's um. They're it's in states of about to attack or finished attacking. Is what they are at. Yeah. They're never actually in a fight. It's no, just, I, just, I agree. Like the artwork is is. I, I don't dislike the artwork. It is it is very cartoony. I think uh, it's it's very simple, uh, but that works for it. Except the backgrounds can just it can end up looking like unfinished pages a little bit. Uh, yeah, but yeah. The, the characters, I, I I like the way he draws them. I like that they're in. As you mentioned, this could be a little bit of nostalgia, but the big big open square mouths and and, and cartoony with the, the the dark black outlines. Like I, I don't. I, I enjoyed looking at his character poses, you know. And I think with a different story, like a, a more story, a tone appropriate story to his artwork, it would really pop. Um, but right. He does not sell threat or death. <laughs> no. Not even the slightest. Oh dear. Right. Well, um, you know, we we made fun of it a lot, but I I enjoyed going over this book with you. Yes, it it was silly. It's a silly book. <laughs> it only gets—I don't know if it only gets worse or better. I don't know anymore because I don't know how many how many parts of the story there is. Three. It just—it is crazy though to think that it has no fanfare. There's no like big, oh they meet the X Men sort of thing. It just almost feels like they've just met their mate, their neighbors next door that they haven't spoken to ever since they moved into the place and it's just like alright alright mm, okay mm. Cool. and Juggernaut of all X-Men to be the first person to and then have that stupid joke stupid joke um, but I, I feel like it should have been more with the X-Files crossing to our universe it should have been more of a event um, than, mm-hmm. like the, if any book should have been tied into any kind of event at the time it would have been fun to see the Exiles go to that event and be part of that event. Sure. But clearly not. And at it's this, crazy. Basically, at this yeah. point in, in Uncanny, there's someone invades like the campus. I don't remember who, and like steals some X-Men, and, and they go off to find it. Uh, I don't think it's an event, but there's this conflict happening, at least. It's true. Is this, and I think this is the same time as Morrison's... Is it the same time as Morrison's stuff? Or, yep, or yep, 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 yep. It is crazy that that's going on in the background. <laughs> it's mental. Yeah, super anyway. trippy, like, heady stuff happening in, in X-Men, and then new X-Men, and then in this book. <laughs> Just like the ridiculous angel's really an angel. What about that? What if that was an idea? And what if he interacted with Nightcrawler, who's really a demon? Oh wait, 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 wait. And then, and then, and then I do like a creepy romance with Paige. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Why is everyone creepy? Because he even brings back like Polaris, and she's crazy. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, she goes nuts. She's like she's totally like. And do they nearly marry? I feel like Alex and the nurse nearly get like married um, <laughs> it's hard to remember like they, they start dating and then it's revealed like she's crazy or that he has a, like a sudden change of heart and then she just like disappears from the book she's just yeah, caught she, she is vanished a lot, same with um, Squid Boy he just he is just jettisoned yep. as fast as as soon totally. as Austin leaves it's weird I remember being like oh why is this nurse here 
And then it's like, where did that nurse go? Okay. I don't. Uh, I don't remember what were we reading. Oh shit! Were we, what book were we reading where like Stacy X was involved, and then she was gone? Is that the same book? It's the same one, Kenny, but it's um, that's uh, Joe Kelly brought right. Stacy X, and then then Austin does away with her. Like right away, um, like suddenly they don't even mention it. They're like, "Oh yeah, where's Stacy? She decided she didn't want to be around here anymore." Yeah, it's like she just won mission with them, and then she just fucks off. Yeah. <laughs> What is really what is really astonishing to me is the fact that there's a really beautiful Salvador La Roca um, front cover for Austin's run where it's the full team cover and mm-hmm. you look at the cover and you're like that team like because I believe it is the the core his core X Men i.e. Um, uh, North Star Angel Iceman Husk uh, Juggernaut then I think it adds Nightcrawler Wolverine Jubilee. And Polaris, yeah, Polaris, um, and that cover. I was like, that team of X Men is an X Men te- uh, is a book I would love to. It's a massive team, but it's a book I'd love to to read. And then you look into it, and you're like, no, it is not a book I want to read anymore. Because um, <laughs> it's a team like I could any like contemporary um X Y or even back then, I feel like someone in someone else's hands, that team would have been I think we would be talking about that run in the same reverence if it was in like Mike Carrier's hands or um who else is around or Morrison's. If it was Morrison's team, we'd be like wow. Sure, sure. But um it's like I feel uh, Austin um comes off the book and I believe Mike Carey t- takes over and um Mike Carey's run, which goes all the way to it becoming X Men Legacy, is is really solid. Just no one talks about it for some unknown reason. Um, but it's probably because everyone just remembers Austin existing. Everyone, <laughs> yes, yeah, everyone, it's hard everyone, to... <laughs> everyone, just, everyone just left the book after he... when he was around. Mm. Good God. I tried to I tried to get into... Um, <clears throat> continue... I think it's, it's New X-Men when... Um, oh, shoot. Who's the Buffy writer? Wait, uh, when it becomes a Sasha uh, Whedon. Yeah, couldn't couldn't do it. Nope, couldn't do it. Couldn't keep going. I don't know what it is about that guy, but I can't watch his TV shows. Can't read his comic books. I enjoyed the first Avengers, but uh, not 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 as much as the second one. Or rather, I didn't enjoy the second one that much. I don't uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just me. I got a hang up, but I can't get into that dude's writing. That's cool. Um. I also think that people give him a little bit too much credit because if you look at like some of the better episodes of um, his shows, um, written by other people, Dana Spence, I always forget how to pronounce her, Spenson and Spenson, uh, and um, is it Drew Goddard? Drew, Goddard? yeah, yeah, who did who ended up doing Daredevil? Um, like the reason some of his stuff is good is because of that. Like, I really people. enjoy uh, his shows. He's a he is a problematic as fuck person. Oh sure, sure. Um, and I did enjoy his uh, X Men run, but it isn't the be all and end all, and it is very much its own entity. And he has the arrogance to basically be like, "It's mine." And then it was on delay for like two hundred years or whatever. Um, <laughs> I, I remember one issue coming out, and like two years later, they're like the final issue, and I was like, "Well, wasn't that cancelled like?" Years ago. <laughs> That's how I feel yeah. about the Doomsday Clock. 
<laughs> to do with PayPal because that's still going. Who knows? I don't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But anyway, talking about, talking about doomsday clocks and um, cancellations, uh, we should move on to Generation X. All right, um, Dan, um, I'm going to let you go for a minute. You had your coffee. i got to sneak over to the fridge to grab coffee. So please continue, and I'll be absent for like 20 seconds. Um, so while I'm alone, listeners, a little thing about Georgie. He doesn't actually like Xbox. No! It's all a made-up friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm really leaving. All right, I'll be back. Right, so I will jump in. You can probably hear me because I'm extremely loud usually. Um, so Generation X number 16 with, oh God, um, I have to zoom in on things. Um, Scott Loddell is on the plot, but Todd Dezago is the script. Uh, Tom Grumman is still on pencils and Al Grumman is on inks with um, Richard Starkins and Comic Craft as Lalevers and Team Butcherlato, Butcherlato, Butcherlato as the colours. And Malibu as enhancement, I don't know if it means the penis sizes of the of the creative team, or just <laughs> just the general enhancement. Um, I would like to say that I think I know who the I feel like the artist of the front cover is um, Joe Mad. Um, well, let me take a look. Looks like his style. But oh I yeah. Find, I can't find it. Doesn't say in the book. Um, oh, I can't see it. If you manage to see it. Um, or if it says on on your um, Marvel Limited, then let us know. But you know, I would have, love to have a Joe Mad um, a Gen X book. Oh Jesus, yes. So on our front cover, we have our um, Gen X being betrayed by one of their own, a uh, sinking fast, and sinking fast. Oh, sorry, it's a play on words. Um, and we have. I'm, I want to say Cinch because that's how I instantly misread it when I was a child and I've always misread it as a kid right. for my entire life. But we have Sync in the middle, all hulking out, um, all evil. We have M, Jubilee, Husk and Banshee fighting in the background. It's very much your average um, comic book sort of team mm. shot against a villain. Uh, it does look nice though, to be fair. Um, there's lots of, as Georgie would say, TNA Definitely. This whole issue has it, though. Yep, it's very much capital T. Um, I I kind of wonder if the creation of Paige, they were like, we need to be able to show off the female form, like, nude, but, like, not quite nude enough where we'd be in trouble. Like, yeah, what if she just, like, rips her skin into different elements, and then we could just show her being naked, but, like, she doesn't have nipples when she's in metal mode, and we'll be fine. Like, I wonder if the character came first or, like, the quest for TNA came first. Always the quest for TNA. Um, oh. <laughs> it's my life, Dan. It is the only... It's apparently the only way to go. Um, so, we start with voice and tits, anyway. Um, with a panel of Banshee and Emma. Um, and they're all just racing to the scene of the crime, where Emma, the yellow queen, this time around, because, mm. or maybe, like, sort of beige as opposed to white queen shoots green snot out of her forehead and tells Banshee to um, slow down and then totally comes to basically says if we go there he's going to get more powerful have you not seen the Justice League episodes with Amazo right (laughs) and so we yep and so we um, cut to inside where uh, Everett is just using Jubilee's powers to try to murder everyone else with Paige, 
the um, silver. I assume it's silver or steel. Blocking right. the shots from Jubilee and M doing nothing and a poor guy in the background sort of cowering. And then um, Jubilee's really like, I want this one to actually not be evil because he's the only one who actually, you know, likes me. Everyone else hates me, which is quite sad. <laughs> <clears throat> and um, Everett does a massive blast and disappears. And then Jubilee, remarkably, brings out an actual clever plan, which is, I'll stay here because my powers are explosive and horrible. And if he uses them, it could do a lot of damage. You can't seem to, like, mimic your powers, Husk, so you go first, and then you swing in for, like, the, the final blow. Right. So, and everyone's like, holy shit, that, that would actually work. Um, and then we cut to the um, school where we find out that Onslaught did something to Chamber in his mass onslaughty way uh, in that giant event because he obviously was absorbing psychic energy, blah, blah, blah. Um, some dude turns up with a paper and asks for a, talks about a job, which um, Skin closes, slams the door on him and says, you've got the job. And he's like, okay, this is going to be fun. And then Skin's like, let's go to Xavier. Because um, who can't, you, if you can't count on him, who can you count on? Not knowing that Xavier is evil and was on the slot. Right. And also um, that, how many times has regular Charles just like not been something, not been someone you really want to count on, you know? <laughs> No one wants to count on Charles. Um, M, uh, Everett is um, sort of struggling with not wanting to hurt anyone, but as soon as someone turns up, it's like, I'm going to kill you. Um, and then he basically beats Paige. Um, and then Paige is actually playing dead. They have a little fight. And I don't get her powers, because if it's this easy to rip off her epidermis right. to reveal the skin, then what the hell is she in combat for? So uh, he grabs her hair and pulls it and reveals a new, slightly creepy, steel, translucent skeleton husk um, mm-hmm. who apparently hurts. She's in pain all the time. She fights him to a standstill um, and then passes out from the pain, which sends a psychic feedback to Emma. And then it's like, oh no, police are coming. And before he can feed on the... Um, on page, he decides to run away with fire starting to appear everywhere. And then M shows up, and then M is like, Use your aura on me and really use it on me. And he's like, I'm going to use it on you. And then she's like, No, really use it on me. And apparently, his aura turns like snot, snot green, and he gets upset and it purges him of the M plate influence. Right. Um, M, M flies to turns up uh, with Emma and Banshee, so does Jubilee, and everyone's like, we should go before the police come, and Emma's like, wait, we have to talk about what's wrong with him. And then we have Skin racing to uh, Xavier's mansion, with Chamber passing out, only to be stopped by the Executioner, who is like, for the death of Angelo Espinosa, Espinosa, um, you are going to die. Which is Skin's real name. <gasps> and then it goes, Skin the Executioner, while Chamber's life and hangs in the balance. But what it really, really promotes is be here in 720 hours from now for the much-anticipated return of Chris Bacalow. Yeah, maybe it'll be worth reading this book again. <laughs> and, then, and then the next month, the magnificent return of Chris Bacalow. Be there or be squared. They don't care about the actual um, anything else. <laughs> so, this is actually competent. Right. Um, I think we said before we started, hey, this is actually average. 
This is, uh, um, I'll take it. I, my quickly, my thoughts before we uh, jump to you is, I think the characters actually sound like the characters for the first time in a long time. Right. Or at least thought of like them. Um, it was nice to see Jubilee coming up with some plans and actually acting like a team player, having right. some of that experience with off. Um, I do think it's, I'm glad Everett is done, we're done with the Emplate story. It went on for far too long. Um, Way too long. I don't understand how his powers don't work with, with Husk anymore, because I just don't understand it. I don't understand his powers anymore because they're supposed to work with everyone. So I right. Because they were described as working with other people, but it doesn't work with Husk, and he can't latch on to the full magnet, the full force of Monet's. But it's hopefully we'll get the secret when Bachelor returns. Do we really know, or is this where about the time where um, our our writer drops off and, and stories change? <laughs> Yeah, we get a different secret. <laughs> yeah, a different <laughs> secret. Um, so, yeah, so what did you think of, of, of Gen X 16? Like, the artwork's nothing great, uh, right? Oh, no. <clears throat> and the color work is so faded, I don't... It, it's an odd odd way to color this book, because there are some digital bright colors with a lot of, like, faded uh, f- traditional coloring going on with the characters. and Everything's just, like... There's no central light for any of these panels is like if you look at Sink's costume it's like glowing in all different places you don't know where the light's coming from like it's it's very boring uninspired artwork but it's it it actually tells the story clearly and considering some of the awfulness we've had to deal with this book I will I will take this and be thankful that uh the story is over with, and we don't have to deal with Emplate for at least a little while, and that Chris Bocklow is coming back. Like, this was, as a replacement issue, fine. Like, I, I won't remember this in two months, but um, I'm happy that it's not contributing to my overall despair. Yeah, I, artistically, it reminds me of a um, sort of Bat Family book, like the way it looks, sure. um, visually, and... Um, it is just it, it it does what it needs to do to just finish the story. That's about the best as I can. It's not offensive. It just it just is. It just it just exists. Yes, it just exists. And I'm sneaking looks at the next issue. And I'm like, oh great, good. We're actually getting Bacalo. It's like real Bacalo here. Uh, that'll be that'll be that'll be something to look forward to, Dan. Yes. It's very different. Mm. Oh, God, it's very different. Speaking I'm forgetting of, it now again. <laughs> Speaking of very stylized artwork, uh, let's cut over to X-Factor number 74, Dan. Different. X-Factor 74, which is um, written by Peter David, pencils by Larry Stroman, inks by Al Milgram, um, lettering by Michael Heisler, and coloring by Glennis Oliver. Uh, please send your repeated phone calls to Peter and Larry. By da- well, what? Okay, I'm done reading that. Um, so on the cover, we've got Strong Guy fighting some green monster in purple, in, in crazy, un, uh, inhumane <laughs> poses, uh, as as walls crumble behind them. I don't know. Like as far as artwork goes, this 
Like this is an, an engaging piece of artwork, but also might be one of the worst pages from the book. Mm. Yeah, I suppose I can see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. But there's like I mean, this, this physical fight between these two characters is ridiculous throughout the the whole book. Like there will be panels where I'm not quite sure how people are being punched. They're just in in odd. Like like it's almost like they're in, in excruciating pain and and their limbs are like involuntarily flailing around. Uh, those are the kind of poses they're in. But for some reason, it, it gets across the aggression and and ferocity of the fight. This is true. <laughs> did, did they, was that enough of a word salad to make you uh, want to stop podcasting, Dan? No, <clears throat> not just yet. Okay. Yeah, I'm just looking at it. I'm just looking at it again. Hmm. Hmm. Do you think they coloured him in like the Hulk for a reason? But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, we start off, and the guy who looks like a strong guy is standing somewhere tall, and they're like, "Strong guy's gonna fight." Oh, it's not this guy; it's another guy. And uh, you know, this this book is is full of like silly Peter David humor, and. Uh, very stylized artwork, um, but we we have our team is sleeping over at, at Strong Guy's place, and they're all having weird dreams. Strong Guy's having sexual dreams about you know supermodels, and <laughs> Lorna Dane is dreaming about weird stuff, and her hair's flowing gl- gloriously. Um, and Havoc is having uh, you know odd dreams. I love I love how he's drawn here. Uh, I really you know I feel the emotion of the characters in the hair, if that makes sense. Then. <laughs> yes, I get you. I get you. And as he's having a, a terrible dream, he wakes up, and uh, Rain is, is sitting on the bed right in front of him, and like it's not something odd to be doing. Uh, I adore. Can we just for a second? Yeah. That rain in her night. That is beautiful. Right. It's stunning. It's truly. Yeah. Right. No one else can draw. No, no one else can draw her, like he can. For um, sure. No one. No one. And and. I love that she's all like lit up, and then and his face is still in shadows, as <laughs> like next to it, and how upset he gets, and she's like, "Oh no, never mind, it's fine. Oh, I'll see you later. Bye." And she runs away, like it wasn't a big deal. She was just watching him sleep. Yeah. So many creeps <laughs> in, in our books these days. Yeah, um, and then Quicksilver was sleeping somewhere else because they don't really like him for reasons. Um, and he was having all bad dreams as well. And even um, our multiples men uh, who are captured in the basement uh, are are sleeping in their like uh, electrocutioner chairs here uh, in in a funny way. Uh, next morning, uh, our two lovebirds are playing. Uh, I don't know what even this game is, Dan. They don't they don't say what it is. They're hitting a ball across a wall. Uh, with paddles. It's um, it's that. It's, oh my god! Why do I not? I used to play it. Oh my god! Squash. It's squash. okay. Right. Squash. And as they're going, I'm not sure if Havoc is using this as like a dirty tactic to win the game, but he brings up that Rain was watching him sleep, uh, and Lorna can't handle it, and as she's not paying attention, the ball hits her in the head, and he gets the point. Um. Uh, so they go to take a shower because uh, uh, there's a mission here, and Strong Guy's like, "Huh, I haven't played this in a while." And he hits the ball right, like through the wall. I'm not sure if the ball explodes against the wall, one way or the other. And he's like, "Oh yeah, 
that's why I don't play this game anymore. And uh, you really get the feeling that that uh, Peter David l- like created this book just to have Strong Guy in it. <laughs> I, do you know what? If that's the reason, kudos. <laughs> no, I, I generally right. So the the thing about right, we've just been talking about how uh, you can clearly tell Austin's favorites. Right. Um, Peter David may have created the entire book around Strong Guy, but everyone is serviced. Sure. And that's and if you if you get anything from this podcast or if you read these books with us, there is a distinct difference between quality writing. <laughs> Favorite characters and qual- and not quality writing favorite characters. Right. So, <laughs> Remember, service all your friends is what Dan's saying. Okay. Here you go. <laughs> so we move on, and we've had uh, uh, sort of our villain in previous issues looking at a bunch of screens, you know, watching people. And it's kind of uh, revealed now that it's a senator, and he's uh, working with uh, Mr. Sinister. Um, and he comes up from the basement to greet his, his his family. Good morning. And there's this amazing, like trippy panel at the bottom of a side profile of the senator. And there's a zoom in panel of like his eye, and then behind it is like his hair flowing. And which is it, it just feels like someone's been on a, a drug trip to to paint this. It feels like a '70s album cover. But it's so gorgeous, Dan. Um, like, this is why I love Strowman. Like, we'll get panels like this that don't really make sense, but you know what he's going for? And, and yeah, they convey a whole lot more than what's on the page? It just feel it kind of goes with the idea that he's, like, too, two-faced or he has an ulterior motive or something mm-hmm. else. Something otherworldly about what he's doing. Oh, sure. Uh, so the team ar- arrives uh, to uh, the center where the multiples men are being captured because they're having a, um, uh, I, I almost just said truth detective, which is not what this person is. Um, it, a lie detector test. <laughs> uh, yes, a lie detector test specialist is common to determine which is the correct multiples man. Um, and there's, there's a lot of like kind of corny but kind of funny you know, dialogue back and forth. Uh, they hint at people not liking Quicksilver, and uh, Val's like, can someone please hit him? And then off-panel, Alex hits him. It's like, hey, the boss told me to. Like, silly stuff like that. That You know, it's kind of corny, but I, I still love it. Um, and uh, as they're, they're, they're testing, we find out that uh, there's this giant hulking man at the Washington Monument who wants to fight Strong Guy for reasons. Uh, and so they take their flying car there. And I love. I, I also love the panel... Of the flying car, like darting over crazy angles and, and zooming at the reader here. Uh, I love how metallic yeah. and like flashy it, it it's colored as well. Yeah, it's a very nice um, take on like a bat Batmobile car. Right. It's fun. I like. I do generally like it. And also, let's just say that that panel of strong guy and just the t-shirt with the X is awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> I love like he's got like a non like a, a non-existent muscle that's like above his back but below his neck that bulges out higher than his head. No, it makes no sense. No, but it conveys <laughs> the like like this guy is just like muscles on muscles. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I love that the joke of like strong guy just calling himself strong guy and how everyone else hates that name except for him uh, is carried <laughs> out throughout this issue. Um, so like 
this, this dude calls a strong guy. He jumps down from the Washington Monument. He's not in green. He's he's like peach colored white dude, uh, in like a red almost juggernaut juggernaut outfit. And he's like, you know, you know, whatever. I'm gonna fight a strong guy, or, or I'm gonna blow this thing up. And then they just start fighting for a while. Um, and I I think it's stylized and interesting, and I, I get the physicality of the fight. But there are some panels here on it where I I don't quite understand what's happening. There's some transitional panels which have a there's tiny issues of transitional panels. I think the problem here is that he's ginormous, and the strong guy is tiny in comparison. Right. And the perspective uh, pers- um, the perspective keeps changing, which right, changes right. the shape of the person. So some of the transitional panels are not as um, clearly defined. Yep. But yep. some like the, some of the great panels, like him getting um, grabbed by the, ch- the strong guy getting grabbed by the chest and then slung, slung into a wall or whatever it is. And oh, again, sure. And then getting his head handed to him with a police car. No, there, there's some great panels, but there's also, as you mentioned, a, a few transitional ones where you're just not quite sure. Like, there's a, there's a wonderful panel uh, in the middle uh, where strong guy has been smashed into a car and he, he like, punches back. Uh, at this guy whose name is Slab, right? Slab, he's a, he's a rude boy, and uh, like he's flying at the reader. Uh, this villain is, and it looks great that way. But I look at back at the car where Strong Guy is, and I'm not quite sure like where Strong Guy's body is in relation to the building or or what he used to hit Slab at us. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's not. It's kind of a, a colored mess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like th- those sort of like hiccups happen in the book, but I'll take it because, you know, uh, the upside far outweighs the downside with these little little issues. Um, Havoc tells Quicksilver to go look for a bomb, uh, but we know the Quicksilver's having like power problems, so probably not the best idea. Uh, back at the uh, base, they've determined that one multiple man is the real one, when obviously it's not the actual real one; it's a fake, and there's going to be problems back at base. Uh, it's it's very obvious, but uh, it, it could be fun. Uh, we come back to the fight, and Strong Guy like bites this dude. <laughs> As, sure, um, Quicksilver kind of passes out. Uh, Strong Guy and Slab smash at each other. Strong Guy explains his powers because you got to explain your your powers in a '90s book. Then he smashes the Washington Monument and makes it crumble. And uh, immediately everyone's like, oh, crap, the boss is not going to be happy. It's not like, oh, no, we destroyed a monument. Uh, it's like, oh, no, we're going to get fired. <laughs> like, that's the that's where the head goes to. I love that. It's funny. It is. And then uh, Lana, Lana swiftly saves some people, at least. Right. <laughs> uh, this all happens, and you realize it's been orchestrated, because who shows up for, but... Uh, to, to scold them, but the senator from earlier in the, in the uh, issue saying, you guys are in trouble. Uh, and up next, Sinister Maneuvers. So uh, Mr. Sinister is going to probably play a little bit of a bigger role. But Dan, I kind of sped through the book. I think the artwork is, is spectacular. I, I think the coloring, you know, there, there are issues of um, Excalibur where like, oh man, Glennis Oliver is the star. And I feel like she's doing equally uh, amazing work here. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. after the monument crashes and there's just like flames in the sky, it looks like a, a beautiful oil painting, like a, a watercolor painting. Uh, I, I love how the everyone's hairs are colored and like 
this when we talked offline about stylized artwork and why I'm not a quite a big fan of the current X Factor book that was just released. When I, I compare it to what we have going on here, I don't feel like the new stuff holds a candle to the the craziness that's happening here. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it's almost like. Um, It's 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 if if you let someone go down like their artistic avenue too long, you'll get to this point where it's like just before the breaking point where you can still see what's happening and it's crazy and it's exaggerated. But if you let them go like five more feet, you would have no idea what was ever happening in in the artwork. That's where we are at this point. Like it's very very sp like specialized unique artwork where the X-Factor book that we just started reading feels very bland to me. Uh, we just we would disagree on that one. <laughs> I just had to get that shot in. I'm sorry. I know, I know. I understand. I get it. I get it. Uh, <laughs> but what, no, what, what, what do you feel about the artwork in this book? I really enjoy the artwork in this book. It is... Uh, it, it is very bizarre that every time we start a book, the um, maybe like <laughs> every time we start every time we start a book, the art is extraordinary and then it drops off. Right. Um. But this is really like whoever was controlling or in in control of pairing artists and writers up for these introductory X books really managed to get some fantastic team ups. And I feel like whereas David shoots for jokes and sometimes misses, I, I feel like. Uh, Strowman always hits the mark with every visual um, he has to put forward. There is some there is some issues here and there um, with transitional shots and just some some ge geographical problems, but they don't sink the whole boat. Um, it's just lovely to look at, and it's so well coloured. That that Wolfsbane is just phenomenal. oh yeah. Um, and so is so is the strong guy in the little blue t-shirt. He looks really good, and I think that it, ha it helps the book sell itself, and it makes it so far apart from what X Factor used to be before this team took over. Definitely, as well. And it's very much its its individual style, and um, it's all it's a statement rather than um, just simple comic book pages. For sure, it feels like a statement. Yeah, Dan, I, I, you still there? Yep, yep. I'm, I'm, I was waiting for your turn. Oh, no, I'm <laughs> just saying I, I, I love this book, uh, at least where we are at this moment. Uh, I, you know, <laughs> I think they, uh, uh, I say it a million times, to get the creatives on the same wavelength, you create something amazing. Doesn't, you know, who the characters are beforehand aren't as important as making sure that everyone's uh, on the same page. Uh, creatively, and this is just another like ragtag group of of characters that none of these are like a list characters, right? But you put them together, you get a good writer and someone who has a, a really unique voice visually, and you've got a book that's definitely uh, worth you know pouring over here. Amen to that. All right. Definitely. Yeah, this was awesome. I. Uh, I love that Sinister is involved with all this. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how Strowman is going to draw him uh, in upcoming issues because that's going to look crazy and, and evil and amazing, I'm sure. 
I'm, I believe it does look great. <laughs> so that's always a good thing there. So yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing um, how fast Sinister Me too. goes with it. So um, we hinted at it, but we kind of read these these books in like order of ascending uh, quality. Uh, yes. With <laughs> Uh, and it's kind of nice because afterward I feel really happy about what we, we just talked about, Dan. I know it allows us to wash, wash, wash ourselves clean of the the garbage. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure, certainly. Um, all right, well that was uh, that was the most recent episode of Excalibros. Dan, where can everyone find us? You can find us on Twitter at Excalibros One. You can find us. On Podbean at podbean.com forward slash Excalibros, and if you type Excalibros into Google, you should be able to find us on everything else that we're on, which is like everything iTunes, Spotify. I don't even know if we're on Spotify. Who knows? We may be, but we're on most things. I think we um, are. I think I submitted to that, but I can't remember. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but yes, that's how you can get in touch with us um, as well, is through the Twitter and see how you feel about any of these issues. We'll also have another uh, show coming out uh, shortly. Uh, we'll, we'll be covering Cowboy Bebop. Um, so look forward to that. And uh, Dan, it's just been so great uh, having the time to talk with you about all these books. It was, it was a pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. I think that's what you're supposed to say. Yep, that's <laughs> what you're supposed to say. <laughs> How do you really feel, though, Dan? No, it was amazing. It's great. It's always going to talk. Um, yeah. yeah. Awesome. Alrighty. Well, uh, until next time, see y'all later. Bye!